I'm Yamilka Rodriguez, and this is the Brand Therapist Podcast, where we come together and deep dive into the psychology of branding. We live in a new era that asks us to step up and show our individuality, learn what makes us unique and different in this world. Let's open the door to possibilities so you can win in business, life, and relationships, because Everything starts with you. Hello, and welcome to the Brand Therapist Podcast. I have my guest, Brendan Kumarasamy, here with me today. I'm so excited to interview him. But before we start the interview, I'm going to read his bio. Brendan is the founder of Master Talk. He coaches ambitious executives and entrepreneurs to become number one communicators or 1% communicators in their industry. He also has a popular YouTube channel called Master Talk. And actually, Brendan, I watched your YouTube because I was like, do I want this guy on my podcast? And you were <laughs> exceptionally amazing with the goal of providing free access to communication tools for everyone in the world. So welcome, Brendan. Yeah, Milka, the pleasure is absolutely mine. Thanks for having me on the show. Let me um, start with a simple question. Just tell us a little bit about what you do, what you're known for in your business and in your industry. For sure, Yamilka. So my name is Brendan Kumarasamy. I'm the founder of Master Talk. Master Talk is both a media company and a coaching practice. And the goal is I believe the next Elon Musk is a seven-year-old girl who can't afford a coach. So for me, it's all about how do we create accessible resources for communication for the whole world, hence the YouTube channel and other social media platforms that we're on. And then the other piece is I have a private practice for high-level executives and CEOs where I teach them myself on how to communicate effectively. Oh, I love that. Wow, that's so amazing. So how did you get into that? For sure. So the story all started when I was in college, Shamilka. I studied in accounting, which is literally the opposite of what I do. So I wasn't looking to be a communication professional. That was never the goal. But in my accounting studies, I competed in these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So all the guys my age were playing rugby or basketball or baseball. I wasn't one of those guys. I did presentations competitively, and that's how I learned how to speak. But then as I got older, I started coaching all of the students, not because I knew how to coach, because the alternative they had was a rock, so they went with me. So I started helping them out, and that's what gave me the idea for Master Talk because I realized that I had a lot of information to share about communication that, frankly, nobody was sharing for free online, and here we are. Yeah, wow, that's pretty incredible. Talking about rugby, that's a sport that we don't play a lot here in America. But my husband is British and he loves rugby. He actually played rugby. His brother was a professional rugby player. So, wow. um, yeah, so a lot of rugby around here. But let me ask you this question. You know, I don't call my show a brand therapist for nothing. So let's talk about childhood. Tell me a story of your childhood and how that relates to what you do today. Absolutely, happy to. So I would say one story that comes to mind that relates to what I do today is really growing up as a kid. I grew up in Montreal in Canada, which is a city where you need to know how to speak French. And I still, I'm still based there and I live there, but it's a language I didn't know how to speak. So what happened was my parents sent me to French school because they wanted me to learn the language. 
But my whole life, not only was I scared of communication, I had to present in a language I didn't even know, Yamilka. So when I'd get on the, the first grade class, right, I'd go like, uh, bonjour. That's one. <laughs> Second piece that you might not know, I have a physical disability on my left arm because of a surgery I had when I was younger. So that increased my level of anxiety because every time I would present, people would always look at my arm and not at my face directly. So that always bothered me whenever I was presenting. So that also gave me the confidence later in life to go, well, if I could go from that wreck to being a great speaker, I'm sure anyone listening to this podcast could do the same. Oh, I love that. Love the story. So to my next question, I had you fill out a quick branding quiz, which you did, and you came up as the magician, which I love. So I'm going to read this to you, and you're going to tell me here live if you feel kind of like it fits your character. Where there's a will, there's a way. A magician sees the world as a system and is attracted to things that help them change, transform, and heal. The motivation is change. The need is to transform. The fear is being undervalued. And the behaviors are inquires about the world around them, sees the world as systems, and achieves unbelievable feats. What do you think about it? I think that's pretty accurate. And, and I'm a big fan of these types of quizzes. I'm a, I'm a huge believer in human design as well. So we did that with, with the whole team. So yes, it's scarily how accurate that thing is. But <laughs> but yes, I mean, a lot of it was right. Uh, definitely my fear is to be undervalued, especially when I started so young too. I always had that chip on my shoulders when, when people who are much older than me, by the way, my clients are like 20 years older than I am. It's not so much of a problem now, but when I started my career, for sure. The system, yeah, I would say it's the system of communication, right? There was mm -hmm. no practical way and simple way since you've seen the videos of how communication is done. Like a lot of people just go communication. I was like, well, how do you systematize that in a way that people get results? So those are some ways of how that resonates. Magicians make magic literally and figuratively. So I'm sure you do that with your clients. So let me ask you, I have, I have a few words here, but I want you to tell me your definition. Okay, so I'm going to go through five different words which are related to the magician, and I want you to tell me how you define these. So adaptive. Adaptive. Fascinating questions, Yamilka. Let me think about that. Adaptive means the ability to change one's perspective towards what is actually true versus what you believe it to be true. And I think a lot of us as human beings we go about the world with our own unique belief system versus waiting and saying like, okay, there's a better truth here that I need to change and gravitate towards. So I think that's what adaptability means to me. Insightful. Insightful means, it reminds me of Chris Doe's quote about value, which is tell me something I don't already know. So for me, something insightful is when you share an idea that's either never been shared before or packaged in a way that's never been packaged before. So Seth Godin is someone I would deem as someone really insightful because whenever he shares an idea or a thought, it's always packaged in a way that you've never really thought of. So it becomes insightful. What about persuasive? Persuasive means one's ability to influence others to achieve a specific outcome or goal. And that doesn't always mean to make more money. That doesn't always mean to get more business. That could be as simple as convincing your significant other that we should have Chinese food tonight and not Mexican food tonight. So the ability to be empathetic, walk yourselves in their shoes and influence them to an outcome that you desire is, is how I would define that. Love that. Dynamic. 
Dynamic. How would I define dynamic? It's someone who is fully aligned in who they are and how they communicate their message to the best possibility. So so one would think dynamic means like, boom, I'm dynamic. Right. I think dynamic is more your ability to adapt to the energy of a room and your highest authentic self. So for example, the way I'm speaking now, I would consider dynamic, even if I'm not yelling, because you're more of an introverted host. You have more of a baser voice. So I'm adapting my energy to you. Whereas on other shows I've been on who are much louder, I'm always pumping up the energy depending on who the person is. So I, I think that's dynamic to me. I love that. And magnetic? Magnetic. I would say there's a couple of qualities to someone who's the magnetic. So I wouldn't fall it under a specific definition. So I would say one thing that magnetic people have is that they're really good at listening to other people versus making the conversation about them. And people love to talk about themselves. So people, it draws people into who you are. The second piece is magnetic questions. Insightful questions are specific. So someone who isn't charismatic will go like, okay, how's the weather? Or how's your day? Whereas somebody else will go, you know, based on what you said, Yamilka, my follow-up question that would be, how did you feel when that happened in your life? So that's someone who's magnetic. And the third part of being magnetic is somebody who can read the energy of a room and adapt to it for results. Oh, I love it. Look at you. I love these definitions. Everybody has their own because you're unique and different. And even though there are multiple magicians, the way that you express your magic is very different than others. So let's go on to the next question, which is, what is your brand all about? I would say, Yamilka, my brand is all about generosity at scale. The mission at Master Talk is to empower every genius in our society to become exceptional communicators. Because if everybody became really good at speaking, especially those who drive innovation in our world, if all of them are so good at communicating their ideas, buy-in, enrollment, getting people excited about what you do is really, really easy. So for me, the brand is about three main things. Generosity at scale. The second one is out-competing others through value. How do we add more value than other people? And the third piece is to always protect the people who can't protect themselves. So for me, it's all about saying, how do we add value to people who can't necessarily either afford a coach or might not have the resources for one? How do we make sure we take care of those people that capitalism doesn't solve for? I love that access. You know, I decided to do my PhD at the end of last year, and I'm taking my first class. And I love this first class. I mean, it was the perfect PhD for me, by the way. What's it in? It's a PhD in wisdom. Can you believe there's such a thing? Which, I'm, yeah, I'm really, really excited about. And my first class is a foundation in soft skills and SDGs, which are the sustainable development goals from the United Nations. And I loved how they're framing everything, how we look at diversity, how we look at the different pieces that isn't anything new, but it's like, why didn't I see it this way? Or why didn't I look at it in this form? So I love what you said there about having access because a lot of the SDGs are about access and making sure that everybody comes with you versus leaving that minority behind. And it's really put a lot of thinking in my head around how can I influence some of that as well. So it's been it's been super innovative. But if we keep on going to these questions, let me ask you, you know, we talk about fame, 
people think that only actors and actresses or singers or sports people are famous. But if you look at what Socrates says, and he said that fame is honorable, what would be your fame story? I love your questions, Emilka. Here's the way I think about fame. I see it as a necessary evil to gain permanence in one's ideas. So let me give you an example. Oftentimes, and you actually displayed that beautifully in the pre-frame of the question, is that when you use the quote, you also quoted the person behind the quote. So what I've found with most ideas, there's obviously exceptions, but I always optimize for what is the outcome that guarantees the success for the most part. And when we go into that, often the best ideas are attached to an individual human being. So we give credit to ideas, even if there's a team of people who create the ideas, who help generate it, do research around it, we give the credit to the Nobel Prize winner, the person who wins the Pulitzer. So for me, the reason I chose that path of quote unquote fame, and I chose YouTube specifically as a platform to accelerate fame, because just by nature, if you look at all the social media platforms, YouTube is the, the one platform where there is the most amount of famous people that are not famous at the beginning of their journey on social media, just on a numbers basis. And the way that we do this, by the way, as a fun fact, since you're asking me cool questions, I might as well go give cool answers and nerd out a little bit, which is like, let's say I asked people, name as many famous podcast shows as you can. People r- forget after five. They go, uh, Jordan Harbinger. They go, John Lee Dumas, Yamilka, obviously. And then they just kind of, after five, they go like, and then, I, and then I talk about Pat Flynn and Lewis Hound. A lot of people I'm naming these people, they don't know who they are. And if you do the same thing with Instagram, usually the people you name are people who are famous through film or television, not necessarily because they were famous through Instagram specifically. But if we go to YouTube, I mean, you could go forever. Casey Neistat, uh, Dude Perfect, and the, the, the list goes on forever. Mr. Beast, right? I love that. I never thought about it like that. Yeah. That's why I was very intentional about choosing YouTube as my platform of choice and putting 80% of my energy there. But the point is, for me, fame is about making sure there's permanence in my ideas. So in the same way people remember Dale Carnegie's work, the challenge with how to win friends and influence people and Dale's work together has nothing to do with Dale, by the way. He was just born in a time history where you don't hear his voice. How are you supposed to share world-class communication information if you can't talk, if no one can remember that? So I get an opportunity in my lifetime that Dale Carnegie didn't. So I chose fame as a vehicle to permanence my ideas at the end of my at the end of my life. I love when people give their own definition because I think that's so critical. You know, some people see fame as a negative. And I think we live in a fame economy. And so we need to embrace it and figure out what's our own definition of that and how can we excel. We thank our sponsor, BespokeBranding.io. Tailored branding to reach your ideal client. Gain a deeper level of understanding to empower your brand and purpose and rule the market. We know what it's like to journey from a place of feeling overwhelmed and undervalued to being powerful, understood, and authentic. Your brand identity allows you to live your purpose. The Brand Therapist has 20 years of branding and design experience, has transformed billion dollar brands, and has eight plus years of guiding women entrepreneurs to realize their potential. I invite you to take the brand quiz and you can find it at www.bespokebranding.io.
to the next question for you is, what is your greatest fear? My greatest fear is being in a romantic relationship, Yumilka. You know, I've done well in every area of my life, most of them. Not a 10 out of 10, no one's a 10, but at least like a seven or an eight. So money-wise, okay, like I make enough where I can help people around me, take care of my family. I live with my mom and my sisters to, so I can retire my mother. So that's one piece, right? The health, I mean, I do, I'm, you know, I'm good shape. I work out two, three times a week. Like I'm not so bad there. Purpose, alignment, direction, pretty good. Spirituality, I could do better. But since you asked my greatest weakness, definitely romance. I think the challenge I've always had with that, and I'm still working on it, and I'm still 26, I got time. <laughs> but it's more about saying, you know, there's so many people I admire who had a lot of failed relationships. Tony Robbins is a good example. Lewis is a good example. So I always have that fear that I'll just be one of those uh, failure stories. So there you go. Wow. Thank you for being so transparent. I love it when people really get deep into these questions. Well, that's what it's all about, right? Some therapy. So let me ask you, when was there a time when you were holding back? There's so many moments in my life that I've held myself back. I mean, if you had told me at 19 years old, Yamilka, that not only was I going to get the dream job I wanted at PricewaterhouseCoopers and IBM, but then I was going to quit those jobs to cut my salary by 70% and pursue a business full, then I would have thought you're crazy. Because one, I was just like, how am I supposed to get this job? That makes no sense. And then you're telling me I actually do get the job, which I already think is nuts, and then I'm quitting it too to do something else? Like, that sounds completely nuts. I think a lot of the, my holding back story came from my upbringing, right? I didn't grow up with a lot of money. We had a lot of scarcity mindset around money specifically. So for me, the focus was just, my God, if I can make $50,000 a year, I'd be the richest person ever in my ancestry, which is like wild to think about. And then I graduated university. I was the first one to get a degree. But then after that, I was like, okay, I guess I'm done. Like I made it. But my biggest holding back moment was definitely a few years ago when I made the decision to quit my job right, to do Master Talk full-time, which was a really stressful idea, not just because I was the only breadwinner in the family, but because it required a changing of my own identity. The person who's this hotshot consultant at this big company finally made it, he's making all this money, and now he has to give all that up to be a YouTuber and to coach people. On speed. It, sounds, it sounds ridiculous to even if, you know, I've done better, but but I think the the key here is I was holding myself back from my own potential that I could deliver to the world. Because when I was younger, I thought my potential was be an executive, make good money, donate money to like charity water or something and live my life and have kids and have a family. But my true potential that my coach helped me see and my business partner, Vamsi, is no, 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 your job in this world is to impact the millions and millions of people that need access to communication tools that no one is delivering. And that's your unique star. Yeah, I love how you said that because I also left my big cushy corporate job at Procter & Gamble and then had to work some other jobs as well before I became an entrepreneur. But it's so interesting when you decide to become an entrepreneur after all that. It's like people would probably say I was crazy to leave that job to then be at zero and start building your business. And I know like at some point in your business, you're like, do I really need to, do I need to go back to my job? But I always remember somebody that said to me, you know, that's a gift that you have something to give that is your purpose. Not everybody has that. And I always think of that as like, yeah, you're right. And even when I actually left it, I had like 20 jobs, right? Trying to figure out where I, you know, the spaghetti suck. 
and it, it is a journey. But let me ask you this. You talked about mentors and uh, none of us get us where we are without some sort of mentor, whether you call it a mentor or guide, you know, a lot of people have different definitions. So tell me a story about a mentor of yours. You can name the one that you just mentioned, but tell me a story where they helped you and kind of got you to where you are today. For sure, Yamilka. And, and I love I love the perspective you brought as well. Very good. So yes, I'll tell you a story with Vamsi. Happy to. So Vamsi Palimal is the CEO of Make More Leaders. He trains people on how to achieve the impossible. That's what his coaching practice is about. I'm very grateful and lucky that he chose me as one of his clients. So, so I've been working with him for many years now. And the moment that changed my life was a dinner. Actually, no, it was a breakfast, excuse me. So I'm having breakfast with him in Los Angeles. And at this point, I'm 23 years old. Master Talk had just gotten started. I was probably a year into it. I didn't have any coaching. I probably made $700 in coaching. I had like one client. He really wanted me to coach him. And I said, sure. Like, do you want me to start tomorrow? He's like, yeah, but how much do you charge? And I was like, uh, I don't know, $100. And he's like, yeah, sure. Can I book seven sessions? And he sent me $700. I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. <laughs> so, so I wasn't really, I was still a kid essentially. And I still am, but definitely a lot more mature today. So I'm 23 years old, Yamilka. I'm sitting down at this breakfast at this restaurant for a conference called Mind Valley in Los Angeles. We're sitting together and Vamsi looks at me at 8 a.m. in the morning and he just asks me a simple question. He goes, what's your dream? And I tell him everything I want to do. Oh, I want to quit master. I want to do master full time in five years. I want to build this coaching business. I want to help everybody in the world become a great speaker. Then I'm going to help Scott Harrison from Charity Water solve the water crisis in 20 years. And I tell him all these things that I want to do in five years. And he listens to me ramble for 10, 15 minutes, Yamilka, like I'm rambling right now. And then at the end, he looks at me, he sips his cup of tea, and he goes, how do you do all of that in six months? And I just went, what? He's like, yeah, how do you quit your job in six months? And I looked at him and I thought he was nuts. I was like, what are you talking about? I'm the only person in my entire family who makes six figures. Why would I quit that job? Right. Like, you're nuts. And he just asked me the same question again. And that was the most important question that somebody had asked to be in my life. Because I thought he was crazy. I was like, okay, this guy's a fanatic. But then when I went home, the seeds planted and I said, what if I could do this in six months? I ended up doing it in, in 18, but still... Just the thought that I could even quit my job to this full time seemed foreign to me a few years ago. Wow, that's that's a pretty amazing story. And and actually, I think a lot of us go through that. And some of us just never actually have the courage to leave the job. You know, I have many friends who have tried to leave their jobs and they're just too attached to it or something. I don't know what it is about that. But, you know, everybody has their own journey and it's everybody has the way that they walk through life and it's on their own time. So give me three lessons learned, like your top three lessons learned. So the first one is be insane or be the same. And you actually reminded me a lot of that quote in the best possible way when you uttered the following words, Brenda, I'm doing a PhD in wisdom. I think that's so cool. <laughs> and the reason I say that, Yamilka, is because most of us, unfortunately, we walk the path of sameness. We do what everyone else does. Because our brain is wired for survival and the best way to survive is to do what everyone else is doing. Because if I make the decision to quit that job, right, if I make the decision to do something different, people will look down on me and I might not be a part of the tribe anymore. And that fear keeps me in the circle and it keeps me handcuffed. But the people that we admire in our society, Emilka, the people that we look up to are people that I deem as insane, people who will walk the path of insanity. 
Don't you find it odd that you're having a conversation with a guy who started a YouTube channel in his mother's basement, uh, not on pranks, not on music, not on skits, but on executive communication tips? Then he went on to coach all of these CEOs, yet he still lives in his mother's basement. He has a nice car, but he's too scared to drive it, so his sister drives it for him. He's in the top 1% of all listeners on Spotify for Justin Bieber, and he can karaoke in eight different languages. How does any of this make any sense at all? And that, Yamilka, is the point when every decision in your life makes sense to the only person that it should you're probably making the right decisions. So be insane or be the same would be the first put, but you asked me for three. So I had to come up with two others. <laughs> so the second piece of advice is that the easiest way to solve the world's problems, in my opinion, is to do just that. Focus on the easiest ones first. You know, a lot of us, I feel in society, we ask ourselves the wrong question which is what am I passionate about solving? And that's a great question if you already know the answer. So everyone is trying to, oh my God, like I'm passionate about dogs, I'm passionate about cats and the zoo and everything. And it goes all over the place. Rest for me, I believe as human beings, this is how I live my life, that we should solve two problems while we're alive. One is the problem that we're uniquely positioned to solve. And I'm fortunate I found it early in life, which is communication, public speaking for the world. But the second problem, I call it the world's easiest problem. If all of us sat down, all the hundred most powerful people in the world sat down, and we did not debate which problem was more important. Because somebody's going to say human trafficking, somebody else is going to say communication, somebody else is going to say water. And we all sat down and we just said, what's the easiest one to solve? We would all be aligned. Because then we would debate factual data and we would get problems solved a lot faster. So that's the second lesson I've learned that I've applied in my life. And the third one is the power of 80-20 questions. We all know about the 80-20 principle. What are 20% of the actions that drive 80% of the results? I kind of flip this a little bit in its head, and I think about it in the context of clarity. What are 20% of the questions, Yamilka, that we can ask ourselves that drive 80% of one's clarity in life? That's what I call 80-20 questions. I'll give you one example of those questions in my, in my Rolodex without overwhelming people too much. So one of those questions is, if you could only achieve three things in your life and only three, what would you want to achieve and why? And unfortunately, not many people have a good answer to that question. Wow, that's pretty wise for such a young individual. But I love you know, where you're going with this. And, and I know probably a lot of people say this to you, but that's why these executives are hiring you because you have the understanding, the knowledge, you're very eloquent, you have broken it down for them. And, and where you go on simplicity is kind of so important because when we talk about communication, it's very broad, right? But if you're able to break that down to the most clear and simple thing, then why wouldn't they want to know more or understand more if they're making a little bit of progress at the same time? So let me ask you, where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? For sure, Yamilka. And honestly, I don't have all the answers today. But I would say for me, what it comes down to is a lesson I got from one of my mentors, Steve Hardison, who's the author of the book, The Ultimate Coach. And he, he has a, an, an, a piece in the book called Setting Your Identity. What do you want it to be? even if you haven't achieved it yet. So for me, the identity that I'm working towards is, is seven letters, which is T-B-C-C-T-E-L, which, which, which spells out the best communication coach that ever lived. So every single morning when I wake up, 
I always ask myself, what would TBCCTEL do in this situation? How would he act? How would he, how would he be? And I'm not perfect by any means. I definitely make mistakes. So that's one of the the pieces that I hope to achieve in the next decade. I'm I'm fortunate in the sense that, you know, I have a good head start. I have a decent head on my shoulders. But it, in the next decade, uh, that's the that's the hope. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. So tell us, where can people find you? Where I know you're on YouTube, but like, where can they find you on YouTube and all the other social media platforms? You definitely have a gift for this, Yamilka. Thanks so much for having me on, by the way. This is such a great conversation. I really enjoyed this. So so two ways to keep in touch. The first one, to your point, is the YouTube channel. Just go to Master Talk in one word. You'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to speak. And the second way to keep in touch, for those of you who are interested in seeing me live in a workshop over Zoom, I do a free one every two weeks. And you could register for that at rockstarcommunicator.com. Oh, thank you so much. I love this conversation, Brendan. You are amazing at what you do. I'm so excited and I hope we keep in touch so we can see what you're doing in the next few years. You know, a lot of us take this path and we're like, oh, I'm going on this, you know, path, this journey. And then all of a sudden we're like in another path, right? And we're like, how did we go from here to here? And um, it changes. And we have to like, for me, I think my theme for this year is go with the flow, go with the flow, just flow in, flow out. And that's what I really, I think is at my heart because I'm very strict with myself. I'm sure you are too at times like, this is what I got to do. This is, you know, how I have to do it. And I feel like this year is about go with the flow. And when I decided to do my PhD this year, I said, you are not doing this in two years. You're taking four years to do this again, because I know myself, I always do too much. And so just going with the flow on this is my goal. And I thank you so much for teaching me these things today. It was so helpful. And I hope to see you soon and see where you're at. Likewise, Yamilka. Such a pleasure. Thank you for listening to The Brand Therapist. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. If you would like to connect on social, you can find me at Yamoka Rodriguez Branding or bespokebranding.io. And if you would like to do the brand character quiz, go to bespokebranding.io and click on brand quiz. Or you can email me at yamoka at yamoka.com. Thanks for listening and I'll catch you on the next episode.